0: Hey, Pilates Elephants, and welcome back, Laura Saggers.
1: Thank you, Raph.
0: Great to have you here.
1: Awesome to be here.
0: Uh, so we were talking at a at a social gathering that we we're at. I was almost going to say at a party that we we're party.
1: at. It was a bit of a party. <laughs> yeah, I
0: haven't been to a party in, it must be a decade. I mean, unless you count like kids, like four-year-old birthday parties or something. But um,
1: <laughs> same, t- yeah. same type of energy input, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and so we were talking at this social event, uh, and because we have both been coaching people uh, in about Pilates business, and and I think we've both been doing it kind of in a lot informally. I've been doing it a lot informally anyway, yeah. Uh, and I enjoy that, and it, it helps me learn. And I'm glad that I can help people. And you know, sometimes I do help people, and and sometimes I'm sure I give them terrible advice or. I'm not able to help them for whatever reason, but uh, so so. But we've both been doing it quite a bit, and what we were discussing was we noticed patterns. That's like often it's the same things that it, that people are getting stuck on in their business, and this is sort of regardless of what sort of what type of Pilates business they have, whether it's like a group studio or one on ones or online business or small, yeah, you know, in more semi private setting or whatever. Um, and so, what we really now, when we kind of like looked at each other and went like, ah, oh, yeah, that's it, was when we said that your business can never outgrow your own personal development as a human. And so whatever your, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, whatever your kind of hang-ups are around money, whatever your yep. blind spots are, whatever your like propensity to people pleasing or not ability to say, inability to say no or yep. You know, whatever whatever your like weaknesses are, and we all have them, I have them, you have yeah. them, you know, we all have them. <laughs> whatever your weaknesses are as a human, or not weaknesses, but whatever your whatever stage of personal growth you're at, yep. okay, your business will be limited by those same things. And yes. so that the, the growth the growth as an entrepreneur, the growth the the, the journey of the, the trajectory of growing as an entrepreneur is in many ways the same thing as the journey of of personal development and growing as a human.
1: Correct. Yes. And I, I am very grateful for all the interviews I've done with you over the last, I think my very first one was six years ago. So I've, I've had the um, opportunity like personally to reflect at where I have been in the process of opening the studio as to where I am now. And it's been like a continuous thing that I've been fortunate enough to be able to like look back and check in and go, oh, whoa, I've grown so much in that one year. And these are the things, these are the takeaways. And like you were saying, it is very much you are where you are and everybody is at their own point of their journey, no matter what, like everybody has their own things. Everyone's always going to be really good at some things and have other things to work on. So the correlation between business and personal development is that often you are doing the same things in your personal life as where you're holding yourself back in business. That's kind of the major takeaway that I've had recently, that they, they do really align. Yeah.
0: A, a big takeaway for me uh, that I'm still working on is that We keep learning the same lesson over and over again until we learn it.
1: Yes, yes, it will keep repeating itself until you finally go, okay, I know, I get it, I have to make that change, enough is enough. And it will, it will get to that point unless you consciously make those changes where you get to that point where enough literally is enough. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I thought maybe it'd be nice to share a few things that for each of us have been those kind of limiting beliefs or growth, you know, blockers or whatever that we are still working on or, uh, you know, have have transcended and let go of or moved past or whatever that we're holding the business back. And then uh, I'd love to talk about, and I know you would too, uh, like what are the, the things, because, you know, when you coach people a lot, you start to see the real patterns emerging. It's like, okay, if you just give those sort of five bits of advice, like yeah. almost everybody would benefit yeah. from these things. So, so you know, what, what for you have been some of the most, uh, I guess, you know, important you know, growth spurts or realizations or things that you've had to let go of, you know, as 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 a, as a human I that see. have helped you as an entrepreneur.
1: I think if um, I go back to even before opening the studio when I was just a teacher, I, I think um, flicking into the mindset that I can do it and learning to kind of not always listen to that voice in your head saying, oh, you're not good enough. Someone else is better at, at it than you. What makes you think that you can mm-hmm. do it better than anyone else? Um and i think that that was kind of my growth in teaching before even opening the studio sorting like getting around we're always going to have those thoughts but not listening to them kind of just shutting the door and going okay i hear that that's not actually me that's that's fear keeping me safe fear, fear keeping me in this comfort zone and yeah, just kind of like differentiate differentiating those thoughts and noticing when they actually don't matter as opposed to like the fear when you're crossing the road and there's a car. Like that that's it that's that's a fear thought that we need to take seriously.
0: Right. So how did you how do you differentiate, right? Because it is the case that people have different levels of ability and skill in the world. Yes. Right everyone's not entirely equal in all, all aspects of life. And, and so some people thinking like, Oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough or whatever. They're wrong. Right. They do know enough. They are good enough. That's just fear fucking with your head. Yes. right? And other people might be thinking like, I'm not good enough. I don't know. But they might be right. Right. Yeah. No, you, you're not good enough yet. You no. need to keep practicing. So, so, so how can you tell?
1: Yes. Can you tell? It's yeah. very, very true. So, I think there's um, the skill set. So if you, so just say um, I am not a painter (laughs) and I go, oh, I want to become the world's best painter. Me telling myself that I can is probably not practical. I, I don't paint. I don't do it regularly. I've never done a course. I've never seeked advice. The, the goal is here, but we, we, and I'm doing hand measurements like up to the sky, but I'm down here in skill and knowledge and advice on how to get to here. So there's those practical things of actually looking at it and going, okay, that's a great goal, but I've got a lot of steps on the way. And that I can in that situation would be, I can go and do a painting course. I can seek advice. I can start with those tiny little steps in front of me to start Mm -hmm. to build. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that in your school skill set or um, in life as well, like it it also reflects back to just general things in relationships and you're not just going to jump off the deep end to the biggest most scariest thing you're going to do little baby steps along the way small conversations building a trust muscle with yourself that starts to give you that kind of empowerment to go okay we did this we've done this before it wasn't that scary those little kind of little yeah i call them little trust pumps along the way and they build they build and build. So, yeah, then the other side of it is that you do have the skill set. You've been putting in the effort. You've been seeking advice. You've been um, tangibly growing. You can look back slightly and go, okay, I've been teaching. I've been getting really good feedback. I've been getting full numbers if we're relating it back to teaching. And you can then start to go, okay. I've got that kind of trust in myself. You've got that real. Um, you've got the. I um, want to say data. Yeah, the data to kind of. Yeah. It's obvious that you are doing the things. You you're yeah. you're making waves. Keep going. I can keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. It's interesting that you say that about the the trust bumps or yeah. trust pumps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, because for me, like. I actually the first. I mean, I had a little business which was a, a martial arts business for many years, and and it was business. Like I put air quotes around that because it was like the, you know, like I probably could have made more money on like government, you know, unemployment benefits <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, but you know, so it was very, very like
1: passion project.
0: Yeah, yeah, passion project. That's a nice way of putting <laughs> yeah. it. You know, you know, when you when you ask what's that in when Harry met Sally, where they say, oh, you know. Is she good looking, and I know oh, does she have a good personality? And and Billy Crystal says yes. And, yes. <laughs> oh, that mean that means she's ugly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. <laughs> so, no. So yeah. So this bit wasn't really a business. But then the first like Pilates business I opened was a massive business. It had twenty reformers. Had thirty two spaces in the yoga. We had t- like two Cadillacs, two chairs, two barrels of reformers. You know, two uh, mm-hmm. vertical frames upstairs. So it's like massive business went massively into debt. You know, had this huge lot of expenses, and that was the basically the first business that I ran that was actually a business. Yeah. So uh, I, I think yeah, the trust pumps thing definitely can work, but I also think it's like just biting off more than you can chew and then chewing like hell yeah. can also work for some people. It's yeah. Um, and and the other thing I would say is uh, yeah, what you said basically like i think your data is i reckon it's your client feedback yeah and when you're when you're getting like you know like not just like yeah good i enjoyed my class with laura but like omg you know i can't believe how amazing my life is now that i've met laura and like i didn't know my body could do those things and Oh wow, you yes. if you haven't tried this, you know, you're missing out. Like when you're getting that sort of feedback.
1: Dedicated fans, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're when you're getting
0: about. that sort of feedback, yeah. you are good enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You are good enough. I think um, I think the second thing that I was going to say that I've noticed um growth wise is allowing space and allowing to let go of things in order for other things to come in. And I think with what you just said with um, biting off more than what you can chew, I think that kind of falls into the same category where you've created that space that is now a little bit scary. It's like that daunting space where you're going to have to like sink or swim pretty much. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love and that space.
1: Yeah, that space is where rapid growth happens and that's where you fail hard and fail fast and yeah. you just you've got no other option but to keep failing fart and until you fart and <laughs> hard and fast and hard and fast until you get it right. You've got no other option but to get mm. it right.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm that has definitely been my experience in business. Like there are different seasons in business and not just like stages of growth, but just like in any business, you know, there are times when customers are lined up around the block for no apparent reason of being, you think, Oh, I'm so awesome. I really, I really know what I'm doing. This is, this is awesome. And then there are, you know, like three months later, you keep doing exact same thing. All of a sudden, no customers, um, everyone's canceling, you know, you're like, Oh, this is terrible! I'm terrible at this. I don't. <laughs> so there, there are different seasons in business, and and sometimes they're to, they're not to do with anything you've done or haven't done. It's just like the market changes, the season changes, the fashion changes, new competitors open up, close down, whatever. So stuff happens outside, um, that changes people's, you know, commitments and whatever. And so we go through these different seasons, and and sometimes those seasons, you know, when you're in a good season. And the money's rolling in you're looking at bank account there's more and more zeros in there like oh this is awesome i love this this business is so great and then you get often for me anyway i get complacent i'm like ha, i'm so good at this i can do this with my hands on my back i'm just going to put my feet up on the sofa now you know um and then like you know you stop doing the things that actually made you successful in the first place because you're like oh i'm so good i don't have to do those things anymore (laughs) you know (laughs) um uh, and then guess what you you know the success Starts to disappear yeah. because you're not doing those things, and then you get the what do they say like good times produce soft people, soft people produce hard time, to- yeah, you know, bad times, bad times yeah. produce hard people, hard exactly. people produce good times. Yeah, you know. So exactly. you we're know, in the hard times. When the hard times come, that's when you have to get real and you have to go. Ah, oh, no, I'm going to have to make those hard decisions, yeah. say no to those people. You know, change my business strategy, whatever it might be. Put change my pricing. Let go of that staff member. Yeah, you know, have that awkward conversation with my business partner. Um, you know, whatever it might be, or all of the above. Yeah, <laughs> which I have done all of, uh, and that's when guess what? Your business starts to go better again.
1: Yeah, and they're often they're often the things that you can kind of go. Oh, that's what I'm doing in other elements of my life too. You start to reflect and go. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm doing it in these other places too. We okay, could say Have the those same conversations thing about,
0: about your relationship, you know, like when your relationship's going great and you're like, oh, great, I'm so good at this relationship thing, you know. Um, and then you're like, oh, well, I don't need to do anything with my partner because, like, you know, they understand that how awesome our relationship is and like we don't need to do anything to maintain it. And then guess what? You don't do anything to maintain it pretty soon, you start. Drift apart and like then yep. the shit hits the fan and you're like oh this I hate this relationship yeah
1: so. and like anything consistency is always the key whether it's good or bad consistency
0: yeah I'm still working on that one um.
1: <laughs> I think everyone is really <laughs> consistency gets bloody hard yeah
0: yeah uh, the the one of the the big ones for me has been like, I'm not uh, like, I'm capable of consistency, but it's like, I'm much, I like to create things. I don't like to maintain mm. things. Like creating things is where I get excited, yeah. you know, and I can like weed the garden every week and mow the lawn and do yes. all those things. But it's like, it's so easy for me to miss a week or nine weeks.
1: Yeah, and- no. <laughs>
0: You know,
1: to <laughs> miss a week or nine,
0: <laughs> uh, and so it's you know I can build these things in the business, like a I don't know a, some kind of marketing campaign or a new course or a staff onboarding process, or whatever. Like I can build these amazing things, but then I don't maintain them. You know, I just build it and then it's like a sitting out in the backyard and you know gathering weeds and rust. You know, and it's like, oh, there's that cool thing I built. And I look at it like, oh, no, it's all broken down and decomposed now because no one's been looking after yeah,
1: it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like,
0: oh, yeah, that marketing campaign is not working anymore or that course you're getting terrible feedback or that, you know, that onboarding process, no one's using it, you know, uh, or whatever. And so, like, my, I think the thing for me is I I say yes to things because I get excited, like, oh, we could do this, you know. And then I do it and I do it once and I'm like, okay, great, done. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah, it counts as like it ticks the box, yeah. yeah. That you're like, yeah, maybe tick the box a couple of times, and then it's like, oh, tumbleweeds, yeah.
0: Right, and 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 there are some some areas where I don't do that. Like obviously, like we've recorded a Pilates elephants podcast every single week for more than two years now. Like we have not actually missed one week, um, in two years. Um, Amazing, so, you know. So there are some there are some things I've been very very consistent with. Yeah. But, uh, even that, like the players offense, it comes out every week, but I don't record it every week. Yeah. So we might record like this week, we've got like zero episodes in the bank. So we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's going to come out on Sunday. Right. Cause it's like, we've got zero episodes backed up. Right. But then we'll go through a season where we'll record like five in a week, six, and then it'll be like, there'll be 10 episodes in the bank. And I'll be like, Oh, I don't need to record any plays. They'll put my feet up on the sofa yeah. and I'll be like, bam. And then like two months will go by and I'll, get this email from one of my team going, shit. we don't have any, you know, to... we've got, we've got two days, you know, to find someone to talk to on the, you know. And so it's like, it just, I, I have this kind of feast and famine thing. Yeah. That's my own fault. Yeah.
1: I, I can definitely relate to that too. And yeah, consistency. I, I guess I can really relate to what you just said with um getting excited with the creative creative side of things and and then forgetting how many things I've created to put in. And then, yeah, there's still things that I need to do that sit on my to-do list every single week that I know. It's actually inspiring me to go and sit down and just do the things that are on that list just to wipe them off. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so what What else do you see, like what do you see um, – you know, when you're talking to business owners or people are thinking about opening a business or people are stuck in their business or whatever, what do you see? What are the things that, I mean, my mum used to say, my mum's a psychologist, she's retired now, but she used to say basically within the first five minutes of someone walking in the door, she knows what their problem is. Yeah. Then it takes the next 10 weeks to, for that person to realize what the problem is. And yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> So so what are the things that when the person walks in the door, the door within five minutes, you're like, oh yeah. I <laughs> see what your what your problem where you're stuck.
1: Yeah, I think um I think if we're talking like really general, it's I think most people think that they're the only one with those problems in their business and that 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 it's not normal and why isn't it working for me? But the reality is that everyone in business is in the same boat. No one knows exactly what they're doing. Like, oh, that is so true. It's, so, it's. I mean,
0: you look at the, the, the stock market, like BHP lost $200 million last quarter or whatever. It's like they don't know what the fuck they're doing either. No, they don't. They're just figuring it out as they go.
1: Actually, every, every single company, even like Elon Musk, all his companies, they are so innovative, they don't know what they're doing. They're making it up uh, as they go. Making they, it up. Yeah. They pivot. So I think the key is that most people don't realize that everybody is feeling the same way in business. And it can be incredibly isolating at the top when you yep. don't have someone to talk and discuss things with that actually understands your business. And or even just generally the day-to-day stuff, I, I try not to go too far into it with my team. Like there's, there's little bits, but at the end of the day, they they don't understand the, the pressure of all the back. It's not quite the same. And I guess over the past, well, even before opening my studio, I've been very fortunate over the eight years of being in the industry that I've had so many other studio owners to connect with and often since rise opening six years ago, seeing so many open and having the opportunity to be that person for people over and over and over that, uh, the amount of times that I've said it's, that's normal. <laughs> like, this is the normal thing. This is the feeling everybody will go through this. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess that's one of the key things that I see with everybody that, it's not just you going through these things. It's business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A hundred thousand percent. Yes. Uh, and so if you're out there and you've got a business, whatever size your business, like if you have like the most microscopic one person, you know, one person band shop to, if you employ like 40 instructors or whatever in multiple locations, like it's the exact same feeling. It doesn't, you know, and I've been both of those people. Right. Um, uh, and the feeling and the amount of pressure is exactly the same. Like when you were a one person show and you've got to have that, like, you just not making any money or whatever your stresses are that you're dealing, you know, you're trying to solve problems when you've got 25 people working for you and you're making multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. It's the exact same thing. You just you, the the particular the things that stress bigger. you are yeah. right. They're different particular things, yeah. right? It's like oh, I ha- do I how do I have that awkward conversation with my team member who's not performing or, you know, whatever. But it's like it's so the the actual content of what you do in a day is a bit different at a larger scale. But the 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 level of stress and whatever is no bigger right. or smaller yeah. as the business grows. It's like you just you solve certain problems, great. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. But now you've got a new problem because. You know, so, so, so it's totally normal. Everyone, even the people, even Apple, everybody is working it out as they go. Nobody knows the answer. It's all just, they're all just fumbling around in the dark. And, and, but I I think the biggest one that I would like to draw out, or not the biggest one, but I think a really fundamental misconception I think a lot of people are under is that, you know, I think a lot of people are aware that they have, you know sort of limiting beliefs around their self-worth or their you know taking risks or you know, money or whatever it might be. And so I think that I think it's a massive misconception that people feel like they need to sort of like quote go away and work on that stuff mm. before they can come back and then do the business. It's like no, yeah. you work on that stuff by doing the business, yep. right? Precisely. So if you've got an issue with your self-worth, well how do you you know how do you how do you deal with that? I'm not saying how do you like Psychologize yourself and become a better person. I wouldn't know about that. But I think, how do you overcome that so that you can run an effective business? Well, you just, well, what would a person who had good self worth do in this situation? Just do that. Yep. Right. So put yourself out there to your clients, you know, big note yourself, blow your own horn, whatever the things are that you need to do in your business.
1: Yep. You
0: know, and if you've got, if you've got things about money or self limiting beliefs or whatever about that, it's like, well, you don't sort of go away and meditate in a cave and think about money for a month and think, you right. know, it's like, no, just put your prices up. Yeah, you know, that's it. That's the answer.
1: Yeah, and I find that um, books and podcasts do help, but I don't unless you're actually applying the advice and doing it. Then listening to podcasts and things on end is not not always the answer. But when I, I, what I find is that when I am doing those things, listening to those podcasts at the same time really help kind of fuel my fire. That mm. it's the combination of the listening, the education, but also the action and implementing mm. it.
0: So true. Uh, Alex Homony talks about it this a lot and I totally resonate that I and I actually now I have so many podcasts that I love for business that but I hardly ever listen to any of them because I I 100% agree that basically it's in the all in the execution and there are so many like there are so many ways to do business right it doesn't really matter which way you do it it's just pick a way and do it do it you know and 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 don't get distracted and go. Oh, we're halfway through doing executing the plan. Oh no, let's change to a different plan. You know, like just execute yeah. the plan. And, and 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 when you listen to lots of podcasts and you get, oh, great idea. This person said this. That person said that. You read books and you watch YouTube's and you're like, like you get all these shiny object syndrome, and and, and you're like, oh, I'm halfway through doing this thing. Oh, I could do this other thing instead. Oh, let's go off in this other direction. And so I I actually now when I'm I'm executing you know, some really important things in my business at the moment, we're executing as a team. And I feel like I actually have to actively avoid reading books and listening to podcasts because I don't want to get distracted. I need to like, I need to not know about those great ideas, you know, because we've got some great ideas and we're doing them you yeah. know and and that's the thing is we you have to do it you have to do it so it's like yeah there's 10 different ways 50 different ways you could market you could be on social media you could be on youtube you could you know do affiliate marketing you oh, could exactly. network you could yeah you know like there's so many do google advertising you could do facebook advertising you could do instagram advertising you could do organic you could do search you could do you know like so many things right but it, it doesn't really matter they all work like just, just pick, pick one, one yep and do it
1: yep and i often um think of goals I think having goals and targets are so so important and to me they're the things that don't change maybe slightly slightly depending but fundamentally they are the things that don't change but how you get there is not linear so no how you pivot. <laughs>
0: Pretty along much, the, the, and you can, the only thing you can guarantee is what's in your plan is not what's going to happen.
1: Yes, precisely, <laughs> and almost preempting that there are going to be I, like walls or boulders along the way that are going to appear. That your goals here, your boulders here, that doesn't mean stop and change your goal. It means how do we get around the boulder? doesn't mean we go over doesn't mean we go around doesn't mean we have to dig under and there's a little gap but your your goal is still your goal you're just pivoting what you're doing and that's that's part of the failing hard and fast to mm. find the right way to get around the boulder
0: mm. i think uh, when you say when you talk about goals um, i think i think you know something that really strikes me because when I, when I coach people, I get them to fill out a little uh, survey first and ask them a bunch of questions, you know, what's your, what are your goals in your business? Where are you currently at? You know, what are the gaps? What do you see as the biggest obstacles? All these kind of things. How do you hope I can help you? And the, the goal thing is really telling for me because I think nine times out of 10 people fill that section up with like, just kind of, I guess what I would call feel good or fluff, right? Oh, I want to have this beautiful space where people feel welcomed and you know, la, la, la it's like okay but how much money do you want to make you know like how yeah. many hours do you want to work like yeah. uh, you know so and 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 so i think yes it is important like i i i have a really clear definition of who i want to work with who my customer is because i want to spend time with people who i enjoy being around right i want so i want i want to be i want to work with people who i think are really cool because that's more fun for me right <laughs> Um, and I think I can help those people as well. So, so yes, yes, I think there is an absolute vital place for that kind of feel-good stuff. Yeah. But, like, you can't live on what Jack DeLosa says, you know, love and pixie dust. You no. know, like no. You need money. You do. <laughs> and so if you don't have a, a hard financial goal, when I say hard, I mean, like, precisely defined financial goal. I want to make this amount of money. And not just revenue – but a profit goal, yep. how much profit you want to make. Because, you know, for years I was – that's another thing I've learned is that – this was a blocker for me – is that I was always focused on the top line, like that how much revenue we made. I was like, oh, we're making this many dollars. Isn't that awesome? It's like, yeah, but how much are we keeping, yeah. you know? How much is left in the bank at the end yeah. of the month? And that number was very, is, very, very small. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think um, if you don't currently – if you have a business of any size – and you don't currently have a, a precisely defined financial goal for revenue and profit, that is, in my view, that is the number one thing you can do to to improve your business is, yes. is decide what your goal is.
1: Yes, I agree entirely. And reflecting back to my first year of Rise, I, I I think I spoke about this in some of the other interviews, but that first 12 months, I and Laura in my personal life was not about the money. I was very like, and to this day, like you need to also be realistic and have results with your clients and all the things, but I did not prioritize the money in my personal life or in the business. And we operated a pumping studio. Everything was incredible, but we had two, two sites. So we had eight beds in one room. Oh, sorry. It was 10 in one room and six in the other. And I was paying double wages and my prices weren't high enough. And on the outside, it was phenomenal. We, we were, we had waitlist city instructors, everything. I was still teaching 20 hours a week. And I had the accountant say, Hey, Laura, if you don't change something, you're not going to be there in three months. (laughs) So it was like, similar to what we spoke about at the start that unless you read the signs and make the changes, something drastic will happen to make you go, okay, you need to change. (laughs) So it does really, really matter. You need money in the business. Money is not a dirty word. It's like we should be able to make a profit out of a business and it should be your goal. And if not, both ways, business-wise and your personal life, will suffer and that is not serving anybody. You need to be at the top, doing the things at the best of your ability and prioritising those things. That's your job.
0: Um, So, I think those goals, you know, financial goals are really important and, and, There's a couple of things I want to, a couple of directions I want to go with that, but I think where I want to go first is with what you mentioned about those, basically those old fuck moments where your accountant says to you, like, Laura, you've got three months worth of cash left. If you don't change something, you're out of business, you know? And I've had that conversation with my accountant like half a dozen times in the last five years. You know, it's like, that is just like, oh, you yeah, haven't had one of those for a few months. Okay, yeah. guess we're due for one, you know. <laughs> like yeah. so the, the shit happens so regularly. Um, and just like one second you think you've got it all figured out and everything's going great and, you know, leads are rolling in, money's rolling in, everyone's happy, everyone's doing a great job and then you don't change anything and two months later it's like, oh, no, everything's falling apart. and yeah So it's like if, there is no like situation where you hit some kind of equilibrium, steady state and you're like, oh, great, we've got it all figured out now. It's like we've hit Nirvana. It's like, no, the ground always shifts under you for whatever reason, you know, yeah. COVID comes, COVID goes, new competitors open up, you know, technology changes, yeah. whatever, you know. um. So, you know, and I've found that in those times when I've had that situation where I'm like lying there at two in the morning and it's like, fuck, I've just got this weight pressing on my chest. and i I'm like, if, you know, like we're a hundred thousand dollars into our overdraft, and it's like this is not heading in the right direction right now, yeah. you know and and you and you just know that you have to do something, and like. There, You know, when you can go along, I've gone along many times and, you know, this could be in a relationship or whatever. You go along and it's like, you know that you need to do something about this thing. You'll have that conversation, break up with that person, whatever it might be. But you're like, no, I can, you know, it's okay. I can, you know, I can deal with it. I can put up with it. But then something happens and you're like, no, that's it. There's a line and I can't go beyond that. And that when you are faced with like, okay, you might lose your house and go into bankruptcy and have to make, you know, 25 people unemployed. And, you know, disappoint all your clients and your mum would go like, yeah, I knew business was stupid and you should have just got a job in the Mm -hmm. bank or whatever. You know, when you're faced with that, you're like, fuck, I'm really motivated to make this change now. All of a sudden it's like, no, I can do it. I can have that conversation. I can change that price. I can fire that person. I can, you know, (laughs) and all of a sudden it's easy.
1: Yeah, those things actually become the easier option out of the bad situation.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh, all I have to do is put my prices up. Oh, that's easy. Bam, do it. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah and is it funny because we're just going through this thing right now in my business where we've we've been building we've got this brilliant marketing team internally now we've been building up our marketing team for a couple of years or a year yeah, year and a half and we've got this really brilliant marketing team and you know leads were coming in and sales are increasing Everything's going great and going great and then about 45 days ago so like what are we now in the middle of october so like start of September,
1: yeah.
0: all of a sudden just the, the the floor fell out and it's like we're still spending all that money on Google Ads, we're scaling it, we're scaling, and just all of a sudden no calls, the phones are silent, there's just crickets and tumbleweeds and, like, we've got all these salespeople sitting there on, like, you know, whatever ridiculous wage we're paying them, not ridiculous, they earn it, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, high wage yeah. that we're paying them and and just not, the phones aren't ringing, nothing's happening and now I've, got, I've just got this business that, Hemorrhages cash. You know, this is like a gas-guzzling car that has like the biggest V8 motor in it that you've ever imagined. Yeah. It's just like gets no mileage, right? So, you, you've got like you look at your bank and you're like, I've got three hundred thousand dollars in the bank, but then like two weeks later, you look and it's like, oh, there's only like fifty thousand dollars in the bank. You know, it's like it goes really, really yeah. quick when you've got it when you've got a, a hungry business. And when those when those sales aren't coming in, it's like that. You know, you hit like emergency, like you know abandoned ship stations, like really quickly. And, um, so, you know, the leads weren't coming in and, and, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden we got to this point where I just had to pull, you know, another 50,000 out of the overdraft. And I was like, Oh shit, you know, this is, this is not going where it needs to go. And so all of a sudden we're like, okay, no, this is our number one priority in the whole business right now is to solve this. And so we pulled together a little working group and we, you know, pulled people off what they were doing. And we just spent, a day going through our whole funnel and looking at, you know, where is it broken and what's, and we figured out, I think we've solved it. Fingers crossed we've solved it. There was this one email sequence. People were op, were, were putting out Google ads. People type in Pilates Instruction Certification. They click on the ad. They go to our webpage. They put their details in because it says, ask for, you know, get some more information, get information packed. They put their details in and we emailed them a PDF with the course information, right? Only we weren't, right? Oh. So they were just putting their details in yeah. and then just, they were just disappearing into the void right? Because yeah. we're just and he, a back a glitch in our system. We're just basically sending them off into some purgatory that they are never being heard from again. And so we've paid like 50 US dollars per person to get these people to put their details in the thing. That's how much it costs us to pay for the ads yeah. or whatever. And we had like 370 people in this thing at 50 I'm US dollars it. per person that had not received the information that they what? signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, when did that start? Oh, that started about the start of September. It's like, oh crap we've, you know, so like, so, but, but I, but here's the thing, like that funnel had been sitting there for a couple of years. Right. And I was like, you know, I knew it wasn't great, but I'd never been, I was like, yeah, we can live with it. You know, It's fine. It's doing this. Whatever. But all of a sudden when the, when you cut off the oxygen supply supply to the business and you're thinking like, Oh yeah, this is really shit. Yeah. you know, And you're lying there at three in the morning going, ah, it wasn't feel right. All of a sudden, yeah. like you, you yeah, jumped up out of bed at four, and I was like, "Okay, we've got to fix this today." And then you fix it. It's like, "Oh, that was easy."
1: You know, yeah. could have done that
0: a month ago, yeah. But I wasn't in enough pain.
1: How how I kind of see that is like the analogy of the boulder in the way. Sometimes stepping back and having a look at it, actually, you see where things are going wrong instead of just like Mm. trying to channel through. And that's exactly what you did. You kind Mm. of just stepped back and went, okay, what is the process? (laughs) And it it was there.
0: (laughs) Right. But, uh, and I did. And so, you know, and I've got a history of, uh, you know, uh, seizing victory from the jaws of defeat, you know, many times at the last moment. (laughs) Uh, And so I have a, a great confidence in my ability to do that now. But I also have a history, which I did this time again, of like, okay, start of September, week one of September, sales are down, calls are down. I should have done something then,
1: right? Our
0: sales in September were like $200,000 less than they normally are, right? So this was a $200,000 learning opportunity for me. Right. This was like a $200,000 ongoing education experience. You
1: like those expensive ones, don't you, Raph?
0: I do. <laughs> Premium. Was- I didn't even get like free towels or anything with, with this course. It was just, you know, sushi platter, nothing. Just, <laughs> Just the information. <laughs> so the learning for me is from this one. All right, so one thing. We did a good job. We, f- I think, we caught it. We solved it. You know, I'm, I'm confident. we pretty confident we solved it. We we'll have to, you know, watch the numbers change now. But I, I think, like, okay, 380 people didn't get their thing. That it could easily explain why we didn't get, you know, the the, the calls. Um, but I think the so that was good, right? We went through. We had a systematic process. We went through it. We started at the top. We worked our way down. We found where that problem was, and we fixed it. Okay, great. So that's good. We have the ability to do that. But the two big things are one. We didn't have a process to just routinely make sure it's working, right? So the thing we've put in place now is somebody on the team is going to, every day, put their email into that opt-in form and then receive the email. They get back and and click on every link make sure everything worked, go right through the whole process, make sure they get their PDF that they signed up for, and then send that to our marketing manager and go, yep, green light. Everything's functioning, you know, traffic's still working, right? And and so that's a process we're going to have in place tomorrow, and that's going to go forever. So yep. that's one thing. We didn't have a process to monitor, like, the freaking oxygen supply to the business. Yeah. Like, it's just like there was no process to monitor it. And the yeah. second thing is when I when I get that little niggle, like, which I got at the start of September, when I looked at those call numbers and sales numbers, Trust I was like, it. eh, that's a bit off, yep. right? instead of going like, ah, oh, don't worry, that'll be fine. You know, like it'll yeah. pick up later in the month. Like that's my, like if there's ever a little niggle, that is, that's got to be like, I've got to take like massive action yep. straight away.
1: Yep. I agree. And I think that applies to so many different things in business and in life that when you get that feeling and the the amber lights are flashing, read it
0: right and I mean that's been the same like i've 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 actually fired only a handful of people in the, the dozen years that I've been in business but in most cases you know I walked away from that severance conversation with a great feeling of relief and the knowledge that I should have done it two years previously yeah you know yeah,
1: <laughs> like... yeah time and time and money I guess are the the biggest lessons. Well, they're they're probably the things that we lose in that time that you, you, it's either it costs you time or money in your, I, Mm. would you say in a, in a loss kind of way, it's either yeah, time or money that you don't get back. I
0: think it's both.
1: Yeah. Time and money. (laughs) And
0: I mean, I think like in my business, you know, I've lost so much money. I reckon I've, I've wasted over a million dollars in profit by just stupid mistakes, you know, like not fixing the funnel for 45 days. It's like I could have fixed it 45 days ago on day one when we noticed it wasn't right. You know?
1: I am sure there are so many people listening right now that are going, oh, my God, me too. <laughs> as in like, as in not listening to those signs yeah, and having yeah. like rapid trajectories from it that just aren't beneficial to anyone. Yeah.
0: Right. And and I think it's just a normal human behavior. Like I don't beat myself up about it, but I th- I think we all do it, you yeah. know. And humans we only change when there's enough pain. Actually, you
1: know? I I think that's a um really important um element that you just said not beating yourself up about it because really that just becomes wasted time and energy. that totally that if you can reflect and know where you went wrong the sooner that you can kind of accept that and not punish yourself the quicker you're going to pivot into better results
0: mm.
1: and it's it's not turning a blind eye to what you've done that's entirely different but it's acknowledging it going okay I'm human i i could have acted earlier like you just said I'm I'm going to listen to those warning signs earlier and then getting on with it because I really do think people get stuck in that beating themselves up oh god and then they fall back into that category of right back into that self-talk where it's like I'm not good enough I'm just going to stay here why am I doing a business oh my gosh I'm gonna need to sell it because I'm not good enough
0: (laughs) and so Laura you know I'm fascinated to ask you because I actually feel like I'm just unusual in this regards like I, I, it's no effort to me to not beat myself up. It's like, yeah, I just don't do it.
1: I've actually right? noticed that with you, That I, I think, yeah.
0: So like, I can't take any credit for that. Right. That's not something I've worked on. It's like, no. it's just like how I'm made yeah. for some reason. Right. So if I fuck up, I'm like, oh yeah, that was pretty stupid. am not going to do that again. Yeah. But it's like, I don't think I'm an idiot. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm a bad person or I don't, yeah. I'm not hard on myself. I'm just like, yeah, that was a stupid thing to do. Yeah. Don't do that again. You know? I think so. So 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 so, the you know the advice that I could give people out there would be bloody useless, which is just don't do it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Um. So so yeah. Have you struggled with this? Is this something that you've overcome? Do you have a strategy, and if so, what is it?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I don't think you're unusual. I think that there's lots of people out there that would still be able to relate to you. I just think that the majority of people um in our society in today's way of life that we overthink things and get into our heads that yeah all those things that you're left totally
0: yeah totally and I agree with you that overthinking is a massive problem and I don't think I I don't do it but I don't know how to not do it because I just don't know how to do it it's like you just That's just what I, I just don't (laughs) overthink things. Like it's, I don't take any credit for that. It's a great,
1: yeah. You Yeah. yeah, You haven't, you haven't had to work to get to that place. It's just. Yeah. Actually,
0: I, I learned recently, like about a year ago, someone asked me like, do you have an internal monologue?
1: Yeah. And
0: I was like, what's that?
1: Yeah.
0: And they're like, oh, that's a voice always talking in your head. And I'm like, no, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have a voice talking in my head. I have music playing. I always have music playing in my head. Um. Sometimes it's got vocals. Yeah. A lot of times it's just instrumental. Yeah. Um, so I'll have, have a song going, you know, in my head, yeah. you know, all the time.
1: I love songs. that, rap. Oh, I want that.
0: <laughs> but I basically don't have internal monologue. I don't have a voice talking at me. And so I don't know how I don't have that. It's just I don't have it. Yeah. You know, it's just. and so, how you, make you know, when, when when people are talking like often about like, oh, my, how do you quiet your internal monologue? I'm like, yep. I've got no freaking clue. I don't know. It's like, yeah. you just don't have one. That's, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I think I'm just lucky.
1: My brother has a mate who is a lawyer and the same thing. I have met people over time that are also the same and they're very, very logical, get shit done. It's great
0: it's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, for years, like when I was reading books and magazine articles, people were talking about this internal chatter and I'm like, I don't really get what that is. Like I thought yeah. I it, I didn't it didn't really occur to me that's like, oh, a lot of people have this thing that I don't have it. And I know there are other people my daughter doesn't have it either. She hears music.
1: How lucky Buntu. I love Maybe that. it's genetic. <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs>
0: But yeah, so it's—I don't know why it is, but I just realised fairly recently that that is something that's I different. And I'm not—I wonder if that's got to do. Like, I'm, I'd love to see if there's any psychological research on this about the correlation between people who have internal monologue or not yep. versus levels of anxiety and self-doubt and stuff. It's like, well, imagine if you didn't have someone telling you you're an idiot all the time. Yeah, you know, how awesome would that be?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure that there are. Like, I'm, I'm equally as interested as you, particularly now after really yeah, highlighting that to see what the evidence is and what other correlations come into it. But, yeah, I I, I Do you have an
0: internal monologue and how, how do, do you overcome it?
1: And it's taken a very long time to overcome. And I think really, similar to how we just started the conversation, it, it actually... Um, starting reformer Pilates was really... The basis of me starting to change that. I, I actually wasn't aware of it at all. But my group reformer classes, having the challenge that was quite personal to me, but in a group setting where I was able to control my next steps, the intensity, hold for just 10 more, and hearing that voice in your head kind of flick in from. I can't do it to I can do it and just going for like 10 seconds more. It doesn't mean that you're like going to the next super advanced move. It's just that little step more every single time. And I really do think that that Trust trust pumps, yeah, the trust pumps were there. They were building at that time. And this is only super recent that I've really reflected on this too. But those little moments all compound and then that, led me to coming to breathe that led me to going and teaching clinical pilates working at kx studio managing all the things so it was it's it's like those tiny little things compounded and continuously kind of flicking into no you can you can do it for 10 more you can do just a little bit more it doesn't mean that you stress yourself out to like the absolute depth but those tiny little things always compound. And so I think by the time that I got to opening the studio, I had a pretty good kind of understanding. I did read a book um, while I was a Pilates instructor, too, um, called Master Your Mean Girl. So I think I know a lot of people have different names for the voice. And obviously, this was targeted for um, a more feminine. <laughs> girl <laughs> um, well, let's face it yeah. i think
0: that's the majority of our listenership
1: yeah so it was yeah it was and i i really resonated with it and it kind of just mapped it out um to noticing in day-to-day life where those little voices would pop up and just kind of go no you can't to just going okay thank you i hear you but I'm still going to do this. It's still safe. It's within reason. I've got the skills. I'm going to push through. And then, again, that just builds trust continuously. So I think it's been a process. I don't think it's something, depending on where people are at, that you can just kind of switch off or just, like, master overnight. I think it's Mm -hmm. lots of little compound things over time.
0: So if you you were coaching a business owner and they had – you know, lots of negative self-talk going on and self-doubt yeah. and all the rest of it. The trust pumps uh, TM, you know, method of overcoming that would be maybe all right. Well, if you if you're not ready to put your prices up, you know, fifty percent, let's put them up five percent.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then watch, watch that people don't run away within mm-hmm. five five days. People don't remember. I think um yeah. I think I'm I'm steering slightly here, but um that is. One of the things that I do notice, also in conjunction with the thoughts in your head, is that um, what are people going to think?
0: Mm.
1: What people mm. think. Oh people put yeah. So much emphasis oh, yeah. on what other people are going to think, and,
0: and this is the pro- this is the pricing conversation as well. Like when you say put your prices, you know, when when I advise people to put their prices up, which I often do, is they that what they're worried about is what their customers will think. Yeah about them. They'll think I'm greedy. They'll yeah. think I don't care about them. They'll think all I want is profit. Yeah. You know? And even, um,
1: even um, instructors, even your team, your staff, like huh. for some people that like, I I know back in when I first opened, I thought that because I was still an instructor and I was like, well, I don't want them to think of me any, as any different. So why would I want to make all the money? Like... <laughs> I know
0: it's so weird, isn't it? Because in our, in our own lives, you know, we all have these, you know, these brands that we buy that are premium, right? Whether it's, you know, whatever it is for you, it's handbags or you like the nice car or the nice skin cream or the nice you know, premium Netflix subscription, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Do you buy the cheap reformers or do you buy the nice reformers, you know? And so it's like, and do you think of that skin cream brand as a ripoff, you know, evil money grubbing? Or do you think of those nice reformers as a ripoff? Do you think of those nice shoes as a ripoff? Now you probably think of them as like awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And just like really valuable and worth the price, you know? And, yep. and yet when we when we try and, tr- like, apply that in our own life, it's like back to front. We're like, oh, no, if I put my prices up, people will think, that, you know, I'm ripping yeah. them off and it's not fair.
1: Exactly. And the reality is that when you do implement those things, whether it is putting your prices up or flipping the studio around or putting in different spring sets or changing the class structures, the sooner is always the better and people mm, mm. forget it takes it's yeah, like a week yeah, yeah. a yeah. week at max and rip the band-aid no, off rip I've had, the band-aid off two or three price increases if not more four over the years no one remembers no one goes no, oh worry. laura when you first opened like <laughs> like no no one they just see it for no. what it is they go oh, okay yeah. it might be the first time that they go to purchase again post they notice, increase yeah. they'll go oh it's gone up and then but they still want to keep gone. coming no one says anything there are actually i might if i do backtrack there's probably like sometimes there might be some little comments but it's that's kind of the place where you have to get to to go okay that that's the other person's yeah. Problem, not problem. And, but you, that, and, you, don't justify, and you don't say, have to justify it and you don't have to defend. And I shouldn't say problem. I should say that's their lens. And they're mm. often coming with the lenses that are their own personal perception of money or mm. Mm. whatever the change is, that there's mm. something that is kind of rocking their world in that. And to kind of just hold the space and go, I hear you. I li- I'm, I, I will listen to your might be an email or whatever, to say, thank you for your feedback. But then to have the space yourself to put it into a box and go, okay, is this Mm -hmm. feedback actually relevant? Is this actually going to our goals? Is the person still going to come? Doesn't matter if they don't, it's creating space for someone else who will be more aligned in your business anyway.
0: And when you, when you put your prices up, you know, on the rare occasions where someone does leave, and it's, it is a rare occasion when someone leaves after a price rise, what you find is the new people that come in after the price rise, they don't bat an eyelid. No. They don't, they don't bat an eyelid. They don't, It's like, they just pull out their credit card, happy as Larry, no problem. Okay, great. There's my money, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's all relative to what you expect. You know, if you have no particular expectations, it's fine. Um, so I think that just on a practical, uh, you know, level, I think one of the biggest ones I think is like, I guess I would call it a sunk cost fallacy. So people are, well, maybe it's just fear of change. I don't know. But basically, you know, one of the biggest things that I see is... That holds people back from making a really, of having a great business that that serves them financially and gives their clients amazing results at the same time, is is like you said, basically alluded to with rise, is having the wrong setup physically, like the wrong number of Mm. bits of equipment in the wrong amount of space, um, or the the space divvied up incorrectly. Like when we first opened Breathe Well Being, we had this massive lounge space. So the reception area was huge. It was like one third of the entire building, we had 450 square metres, which was about 4,500 square feet. Yeah. It's it's, it was over two floors. Huge. And the lounge space, we like these, you know, two big three-seater sofas in there and this massive tea station and this huge reception desk that you could like sleep four people on. You know, it was
1: like… <laughs> it's true. It was huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just ginormous and plants and floor-to-ceiling picture windows and all the rest of it. It was so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. And it was like all oh, that space was not producing a single cent. For us, from one year to the next, and yet we were paying like three hundred dollars a square meter per year, so it was like one hundred and eighty five thousand dollars for the whole rent. studio per year. Yes. yeah, it was insane rent, it was insane yeah. um and and so we when we first opened, we had well before we opened when we were designing, we had this like ah oh, dreams, it'll be like oh, the third space people will go there, and it'll be so welcoming and so lovely, and they'll congregate in the lounge and they'll relate to each other and I think all of that is great and valid, but the thing is. They weren't paying us money to congregate in the lounge, right? So they were paying us money to be in the reformer class, but because our lounge was so big, our reformer class was much smaller. So they were paying us a lot less money (laughs) as a result of having that big lounge. And we're like, oh, you know, we built this car and we made the engine bay really small so that we could make the steering wheel really big or the, you know, the back seat really big or something. And it's like, yeah, now I can't get up the hill. So we needed, we needed to build a bigger engine and halfway through like the second year, we basically closed for Christmas and went in and knocked out all of the walls and started again from scratch and rebuilt everything just like the right size, so that the studio was the biggest part, and yeah. the reception area was this tiny little thing that was tacked on as an afterthought. Yeah. Um, and and so when I when I count, and you know that's when our business took off because all of a sudden we could fit double the number of reformers in there, and bam, you know that <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, so the biggest biggest thing I see with people, I think, just in terms of practical things, is they've got either. Too, too many or too few bits of equipment in a space yep. and so I, i've found like with modeling and we're talking with josh our financial advisor we did you know that episode with him a few episodes back yep. that basically there are two sizes that work really well financially for a studio which is having four yep. in a class or having 10 plus plus. Yep. Uh, and the reason for that is with 10 plus and the more the better we've had 20 there are i know studios we've got 24 28 yeah. in a class um uh the, with, tw- with 10 or more in a class, you can charge reasonably low prices, like $20, $25 a class. And because of the volume, you make a really good margin. You can pay your instructor well, and there's a good margin on that. Yeah. Uh, with fewer than 10, like if you have eight or six, people won't pay a lot more for yeah. a class of six than they will. They still see it as a group class, right? So they don't see it as like a premium boutique offering. Correct. So they don't want to pay. $25, but it's like, well, now you've only got six machines doing $25 rather than 10 or 12 or 14 machines doing $25. So that's not not good financially. But when you get down to four, all of a sudden, for some reason, people see that as yeah. much more premium, much more individualized, and all of a sudden they'll pay like double or even more than double, right? <laughs> so you can actually charge like for a four-on-one, you can charge like almost as much as you charge for a one-on-one.
1: Yeah, semi-private. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the same for a three-on-one or a two-on-one, but the thing is with a three-on-one, there's not as many people in the room.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So so people will pay $55 for a two-on-one or a three-on-one, but they'll also pay $55 for a four-on-one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so the math just works out the best. So the best number, you know, and this is over like hundreds of studios that I've seen yeah. this. And I've seen the data. I agree data with you. On, I, I, yeah. yeah. you got to have Hold like on. either four, not three, yeah. not two, not one, not five, not six, not seven four or 10 or more, yep. right? Those are, the, those are the options if you want to maximize your profit yep. and give people great service because you get either, you know, a cheaper entry point with a 10 plus or you get a more premium service with the, the four on one. And that's not to say you don't ever do one-on-ones to like do introductory sessions for people or whatever, but like basically most of your sessions should be four on one yep. or 10 on one if you, if you want to make good money. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that I see with people is I've got this studio set up with six reformers, yeah. you know, or, or like you had like 10 in one room and six and then yeah. a big divider in the room and six in the next room. It's like, why don't you just knock the wall two, out and, and have and start, yeah, 14, two, yeah. you know, <laughs> and so, and, and it's like, well, you figured that out for yourself. I can't remember if we ever had a conversation about it, but, but you figured that out for yourself. My accountant figured that out for me. Right. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was that was the hey Laura tap on the shoulder right,
0: but but I think what 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 often you know seems to stand in the way of people making those changes is they're attached to the fact that they've put so much effort into setting yep. up the way they set it up, or they've got you know oh we can't fit any more reformers in because where would people put their bags? Well, freaking leave the bags out in the yeah. waiting room or whatever. Like yeah. hang the bags off the ceiling, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like,
1: worried about the having them too close together. The clients are used to having their yeah, base. Yeah, yeah. Um, they
0: don't Pretty soon they won't be used to it anymore because no, I'll just get used to the and new thing. And it's
1: exactly the same thing. I've gone through adding more machines into my space, and there might be a day of the odd, no, 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 and then crickets. It's gone. No one remembers. Yeah. No one actually. How many of you got these days? I'm actually talking to you right now. I'm. I probably should put one more back in because <laughs> post COVID, I that mm. that's probably been the one thing that you do like we have literally had social distancing mm, rules. Mm. So um, I did take one out. I've got 12 and 13 can go in there. so mm, you've just you've just in. you've just yeah inspired me to go do it.
0: <laughs> well that'll, that's that'll be fifty thousand dollars if make this. Thanks right. <laughs> oh, you, you did it. Um, so yeah, I think that that sunk cost fallacy or that fear, you know, like basically, which says like, "Well, we have spent so much time and effort setting it up yeah. this way, so it'll be a waste." It's like, no, it it's not a waste. It's like it got you to where you are now, and now from to get you from where you are now to a better place, putting more reformers, knock out that wall, put the ch- you know, yeah, make the change rooms smaller, get rid of the men's change rooms, <laughs> yeah. um
1: And I think, um like what you have just said, you renovated the studio space and I'm assuming more than once and oh, multiple times same yeah. we, once once we times. moved
0: we we spent two weeks moving a wall like one foot yeah. further away so we could fit in a whole extra row of reformers because we were like isn't oh
1: isn't that insane yeah the
0: reformers are just like if we only had like shorter reformers we could fit a whole extra row we're like oh why don't we just move the wall it's like all right let's yeah. move the wall so yeah.
1: and it is so worthwhile so if you are on the fence of um renovating your studio to be able to fit more machines, it is so worthwhile. Go and do it. Right.
0: And I, I want to talk just for a moment about the difference between an investment versus an or an asset versus a liability here, right? So if you renovate your studio to put in more reformers, that's an asset, right? Yep. You spend like $20,000 building a new wall and you can put in three more reformers. Bam, you're going to make $150,000 in the next 12 months on those three reformers if you can fill them, right? Yep. So that is in, that is an investment. You pay money, you get more money back. Whereas if you renovate your studio to make it look nice, yeah, that's a liability, right? Yeah. You spend $20,000 yeah. getting the beautiful paint, and whatever. It's yeah. like, well, do you get more money for that? No, you do not.
1: No. And <laughs> to me, that comes back to um, functionality over the aesthetics always and... Yeah, I guess I guess I was I got coming into opening the studio. It's funny because I'm like I feel like I'm back in the opening. I didn't expect this conversation to go right back to that point, um, but I think I was aware of functionality over aesthetics. But I do think being in the space. You do notice things better once you are functional in it. So, as, as much awareness from working in other spaces and knowing that everything comes down to having it functional, having great classes with results, you can still not see in the initial setup what works and what doesn't until you get in there and you start using it.
0: So there's like the
1: difference of going, okay, yes, having it just beautiful and going, oh, they look better like this, as opposed to going, okay, no, to me, this is functional right now. It still looks great. But even in that space, when you first open, you get in there and you start teaching in there and then you go, whoa, this this does not feel right. These machines need to be facing the other way. Mm. We need to move, like you said, move this wall, put a mirror over here, move the um, equipment station because it's not actually in a functional setting. All those things make a difference and they make Mm. a difference to the client's experience. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's where you're going with, um, to me, that's going liability versus asset also. Like those things come into play with it.
0: Mm. I want to pull out what you said there about results as well because I think that is so important and that is something that we – uh, really work hard on at Breathe Education is we focus on results first, then experience. So we want our students to have a great result and a great experience, but first results. Sure. And so I don't, if students come and like, oh, they're like, oh, the teachers were so lovely and the staff were so lovely, yeah. but I didn't learn anything. Yeah. It's like, no, well, that's no fucking good to anyone. You know, we would rather they came and said, like, oh, well, the e-learning system was a little bit cranky and I couldn't find my way around and the thing was glitchy and the PDF didn't work. But, oh, my God, you know, I've really changed the way I think and the way I practice and I'm fearless and I'm empowered. And, like, that is the result that we go for is, like, people have a transformation to become an empowered, fearless, knowledgeable, confident, skilled instructor. And then, like, once we're nailing that, then we go, okay, and how can we make it more fun and easy? To achieve that, you know? So I think, and I think that the, the, the Pilates studio or Pilates business parallel to that is like, we want to provide a nice environment. We want to have it looking nice and, you know, smelling nice and all of the things, but it's like, ultimately your clients come to you for results.
1: I agree with it. Absolutely. We've actually just pivoted my whole business at the start of the year based on that to ensure that we are giving clients the results that they're after in guidelines with um, the health and fit. Oh, sorry, <laughs> the RAF health physical activity. Yeah, guidelines. physical activity guidelines. Why is that so hard to always just like fly off? So, um, particularly in the um, strength element, so mm-hmm. ensuring that we are providing like tangible strength gains in our classes and people um are aware of where they're at so that they can progressively load themselves so that we are doing actual graded exercise in our classes Mm. consistently across every single class that you come to that's amazing yeah so it is great it has come from me doing the diploma this time was it this time last year? Yeah. And
0: oh, God, anything before yesterday is a total <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I,
1: I have no idea what we're up to, but yeah, that's that's kind of where it all kind of um, the penny started to drop for me. We have always focused on our classes and providing a great experience here. And at the end of last year, we went through um, a turnover of majority of my team so i had basically the same key people in my team for five years which is great i've i think we've had a conversation through rap where we've spoken about retention and like we there's no need to label it good or bad it just yeah what it is is. because you can get into the kind of side of it where it's like retention is great like wow like you've had them for five years but then also People need to grow and this is where I went. I don't know if it is a good thing because have I grown these people enough for them to go on and do other things? But, um, yeah, so it's it's not a good or bad thing. That's just I thought I'd just Mm. share that if anyone's looking or thinking along the lines of that. Um, So, yeah, I had a great opportunity to kind of implement Change with a whole heap Mm, of new new instructors, new team coming in. And, yeah, it's been incredible the last, yeah, I'd say about 12 months um, watching the change and development and ensuring that the results are there and everybody is working to the same clear
0: Mm. goal. I think that's something that uh, I certainly struggled with at the start of being a business owner, and I'm—I think I've let go of it now. But I, I think maybe a lot of people struggle with. it. I don't know. You tell me. But, uh, but is like when I first owned a studio. Like I was—I was a Pilates instructor. I was an instructor trainer, in fact. But there were lots of instructors I was employing who were actually more experienced. Some of them were the people who had, in fact, trained me. Yeah. Um, and so. I felt like, well, it's not for me to walk into your class and tell you how to yeah. teach when you literally taught me how to teach Pilates, yep. right? Yep. Um, so I'm just going to say, hey, you're really awesome. Go teach, do what you do, you know, make the clients happy however you know, right? And, you know, that worked to a large extent because I had awesome people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but uh, over the years, I've changed my philosophy uh, to now what you've basically expressed a moment ago, which is like, no, this is the way we do it around here yeah. and this is our philosophy at this workplace and there are lots of great ways of doing it, but this is our great way of yeah. doing it uh, and this is how we do it and we don't do it some other way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and,
0: and so I need you to do it this way. <laughs> yeah.
1: And um, I think that comes back to having the, value, the values and the systems already structured there like you've got the kind of setting and then being okay with people staying or leaving that that's huge Mm. and I also think that that's kind of tangible in life too like you get to the same place where it's everywhere it's not just in your business Mm. it's like okay cool Mm. like yeah I've, I've noticed that correlation um so knowing that it is okay to go this is how i want things this is how we're going to do it here these are the values you're on board and it's part of your value system too this is how you want to be or otherwise it's actually fine there's so many other places it doesn't make you any different or better or less or whatever it's just it's just not the same it's not for you um and knowing that that's okay and i think a lot of instructors would uh, sorry owners who or whether you're an instructor or not just having that moment of going this is a huge change we're literally restructuring from within are you on board or not and knowing that yeah everybody could still leave like that's that that like in reality that's scary like you could be left with okay i need to rehire for everything i could be teaching 50 classes next week like like that's that it's it it would be like you would be going blinders on to not actually acknowledge that that would be a that's a real thing for a studio owner to have those thoughts and fears but Mm. the reality is that most people aren't going to go to those depths and they're going to go, Hey, yeah, cool. That's sounds awesome. I'm on board. I've been loved what we've done here anyway. Let's give it a go. And also being strong enough to just stay with it. Like that confidence of going, no, this is the change. This is the right way. Everyone will mm. fall in. And, and
0: yeah. And, and the, 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 the pain and fear of people leaving is very real, yeah. uh, but the and the reality can be painful when people leave, particularly if multiple people leave at once, because then, like you say, you end up teaching 50 classes a week or whatever, but that's, you know, that passes, you know, that passes, um, and uh, often, you know, when people leave, you know, then someone even better, It opens the space for
1: people Um, who are in line. Yeah.
0: And not necessarily a better human, but just like someone who's better for this next season of the business, they're a better fit, you know? Um, And the the pain, you know, so there's a real, very real pain associated with people leaving, but there's also a pain associated with not, not expressing your vision and your values and what's important to you, you know? And I think that that holds, you know, in, In all areas of life, like we've mentioned multiple times in this conversation, like, you know, in my marriage, there are things that, like, each of us has learned. We've been married 18 years together, 24, that we've now learned is like, it's totally okay to ask for that. You know, even if it's like, hey, I just need to not speak to anyone today. You know, so, or, or I need to go out to an Italian restaurant. I know you hate Italian food, but I really need to eat Italian tonight. You know, like. People people don't
1: know what you don't say.
0: Yeah. And express. Um, So uh, I think in, you know, in, when it comes to the business, you know, scenario, that getting really clear on what your values are as an owner, as, a, as an instructor, mm-hmm. and who you want to serve and how you want to serve those people, and and like like really not not even not tr- you know, uh, it's great to do an offsite like physically get out of the space because yeah. then that helps you change your perspective and not take your phone and like just actually. Get, like go and stay in an Airbnb somewhere or something. Oh, and,
1: I love that. You know, I love yeah. that so much. Do you know, yeah. I think it's Bill Gates, he goes away for a week or two with no phone or no reception reads and writes and just no interruption. That's my dream.
0: Yeah, I want to go away pretty, by
1: myself for two weeks.
0: <laughs> well, I love, I just I just started travelling again since the pandemic's the first time I've been overseas quite recently and it was so awesome. I'm just, I've booked like three more trips in the next, yeah, six months, <laughs> it's up to us. really looking forward to it. Um. So, uh, but I think like getting really clear, like, n- and not worrying about who your present customers are or who your present staff are or how many reformers you've presently got in the ref- in the room or what prices you're currently charging or, or any of that. Just going, okay, if I was starting from a blank slate, okay, and designing my dream business, right, don't worry about it if it's possible, just like, you know, oh, I would work this many hours and I would make this much money and I would serve these type of clients and I'd help them with this type of problem and I'd, you know, and yeah. and and I'd have these type of staff and we'd do it this way and, you know, like write out those things and then just go create that, it's right? True. Then just go create yeah. that.
1: And that that writing that out actually lights you up inside too. Like that's mm. that's your, like your energy, your, your drive mm. to go back and take that to the team. Mm. And they can't help but feel that and go, right. I'm actually right. excited too. I'm on board. When you're yeah. really clear like that and you know what you're doing, people have no reason but to trust you because mm. Mm. it's the... And it
0: feels so liberating yeah. when you can, I can speak from personal experience, when you can say like, Hey, this is genuinely what's in my heart and what I want and what I stand for. Yeah. And this is the way we're going to do things moving forward. And then... Like, it's so great because you don't have to pretend to be something you're no, not. You don't have to put up with things that aren't to the standard that you want them to be. It, you know, it's like you just, it's like yeah. coming out of the closet. Yeah. You know, yeah. Must be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, to me, coming to my studio now, I literally love every single class I do here. And I walk out feeling how I want to feel. And it wasn't to say that in the past I didn't love it either but i or it wasn't great or other things that like but there i was going under the umbrella of oh that it's that's that person that's what they like to do that that's you know like a little bit similar to what you just said with like they're they're really skilled at what they do i'm gonna let them go to an to a degree i was doing that too whereas now i always walk out and go, whoa, that was exactly what I wanted every single time and I just wish I did it years ago mm-hmm. because mm. honestly it's, yeah, I I don't want to ever go anywhere else. I just love coming here. <laughs> mm. I'm at Rise when I say here, air quotes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and I think that applies, you know, So I think for me, there's that, that's that kind of niggle feeling that you think like, oh, it's just like a compromising sort of a feeling where you're not doing it just precisely that was kind of sort of the way you want it, you know, or you kind of sort of are happy with this person's workplace performance, or you kind of sort of like the money you're making, or, you know, you kind of sort of don't mind working with that particular client, you know, Um, or whatever it might be. Um, But like, how would it be if you didn't have to put up with that? Yeah. You know how would it be if you could just go, "No, fuck it, I'm not gonna work with yeah. that client anymore you know <laughs> yeah
1: it's okay to say no, it's okay to say no yeah and
0: and and I think that you know often people in seem to automatically edit based on their current situation, like they you know when when they try and dream about oh what would I like to do it's like, all right well my clients would like this, so therefore. You know, it's like no, fuck your clients. What if you fight all your clients who got brand new ones who liked it the way you want it? You know, yeah. and that won't, you won't need to do that, no. right? But but what if you just thought about what you want without regard to what you think anyone else wants? Because honestly, most of them don't give a shit, no, and they won't notice, no. And then you know, two seconds after you implement it, it'll just become part of the woodwork again, and it'll just be normal, right? Whether it's price rise or putting more reformers in or changing the format of your classes or whatever it is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like it's. You know, it's a much bigger deal to you than this to anyone else in the world. Agreed. No one else cares. No one else Sorry.
1: cares. No <laughs> one no one ever cares as much as you think that they care. Everybody's too yeah. worried about, oh my gosh, will I be okay in this class? As opposed to what <laughs> yeah. actually happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think I also want to touch on, I know we, we're going long now, but I feel like there's, you know, there's some really good stuff here that I yeah. do want to unpack a little bit more that, what you said about, um, you know, when people move on, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's a thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And I would say like sometimes in my experience, I reckon sometimes it's a good thing when people move on. Um, and sometimes it's a bad thing, but mostly it's just a thing. Um, yeah. uh, I think there are, there are, there are situations, you know, like I, I think, you know, we shouldn't judge our relationships by how they end. We should judge them whether it's personal relationships or work relationships. But we should judge by like, okay, what was it like in the during, you know, and and how am I, you know, changed or better or whatever as a result of, right? Not like what was the last thing that person said to me or you know whatever. It's like that doesn't that doesn't matter, <laughs> no. you know.
1: Yeah, the um, experience of the relationship during. Right. So yeah. so if you had
0: a great working relationship for x number of weeks or months or years, and then at some point you went your separate ways for whatever reason, that doesn't diminish the the value of what no. happened in the interim. And I think trying to hold on to things because we sense that if, if someone leaves, that's kind of a failure somehow, yeah. I think that can, that can stunt that person's growth. It can stunt your growth. It can stunt the growth of your business. And it's not good for anyone. Like there's, yeah. there's a bazillion places that person could find to work, right? Yeah. And there's a bazillion other instructors that you could find to take that person's place. It's like there's no shortage. of though There's 7 billion people in the world, right? There's, there's plenty of fish in the sea. So yep. I, th- I think the conception that we have of, you know, and I had this for many years, up until only a couple of years ago, that we think of our business as a family, right? Whether it's just you and your clients or whether it's you and a couple of staff or however many staff, we think of it as a family. I think a lot of us do. And I think that's, I think that's the wrong frame. I think we should think of it as a sports team.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, Raf. Yes. (laughs) So on it. Yep. Yep. So Um, on the sports team. And so
0: I think, you know, in a sports team, you only get to go on the field if you're performing. Yep. Right. And as long as you're performing, you're on the team. Yep. And when there's someone who's performing better, they get your place. You know, like that's how, and that's not that's not there's no emotion involved no. in that right it's,
1: yeah because you're all working to the same result you're working as a team you're working to win that game or whatever a sport it is and you need to perform in order to achieve the results so right. yeah and, <laughs> and it, that applies it to clients
0: it. as well yeah right Clients who perform, what does it mean to perform as your client? Well you show up, you're friendly, you pay on time, you do the work, you clean your reformer afterwards, like whatever the things are that make them a good client. They don't complain, they don't whinge, they you know, all of that stuff, right? If they perform, they get to stay on the team. If yep. not, off the team. Yep. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um there's a book Legacy by James Kerr, which is about the all blacks and being the greatest rugby team. Um yeah, it, it's a great read in terms of team and how they structured their team and at the end of every game, whether they lost or won, they all mopped the floor together in the um change rooms. So there's there's really awesome team team things mm. to implement into team and I'm not I don't make everyone come and mop the floor with me on Sunday <laughs> Not saying that, but in the context that like. No, you guys vacuum, don't you? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Whether you win or lose, you're all still there on the same team working for the same results always. Mm. It's just Mm. like, yeah.
0: And and the shift from family to team doesn't mean that there's not love and friendship and regard and respect and consideration, all those things. But it just means that we're not like you can't fire your family right? You're stuck with your family, you know? And, and so, you know, it's very possible to have a family member that's like not compatible or not on the same page or opposed or dragging their heels or sticking the mud, whatever. And it's like, well, you're bad. Like you just got to, you know, put up with him at Christmas lunches and whatever. But, but that shouldn't be the way you run your business, right? It should be run like a sports team in my view, but that doesn't mean that you, like you, I think as an owner, you should be doing your utmost to help your people grow and develop yep. and if that means yep. move them moving yep. on to a bigger team where they can yep. play in a bigger role yep.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's what
0: you should do for and them as well
1: as a coach knowing when you can no longer coach anyone any further that's a huge thing too and having that conversation and saying okay I can no longer coach you under this umbrella anymore it's this is mm. this is mm. as far as I can go. I think um, I love all those documentaries, like um, "Save the Last Dance," the Michael Jordan and the Redemption Team, because it I really. I thought you does... were talking about the
0: dance, the dance movie. Save the last <laughs> save dance. I'm talking about basketball. Julia Biles. Or is <laughs> that
1: Julia. What's her name? Um, I think it starts with S. So. Um,
0: yeah. Anyway, I'll butcher it. She, she, but Julia yeah. Stiles, Styles. Styles,
1: so, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, save the last. Oh no. The Last Dance. It's not saved. the Last Dance. The Last (laughs) Dance, the Michael Jordan (laughs) documentary. We got there. Um, And there's another one, The Redemption Team, which is about the American basketball Olympian team in 2008. And seeing their journeys as a team together and um, how they're coached is like those Mm. elements make so much sense, which is why when you said team rather than family, I went, mm. yes, because mm. you are you're expected to achieve results. Like you you are there to do your job. You're working to the outcome. In a, team. In a, team. a team. In a team. It is literally a team. In a team. And then everybody still has their own things within that team to work on. And that's how mm. I very much see my role as a owner manager. That I do look at everybody individually on that team and figure out what what they need to be doing to continue to grow in what mm. they're doing in my business. Mm. And it's all mm. different. It's all different. And obviously we still do training for the overall goals. That's like your, your drill out on the court kind of stuff, but then on the little side, okay, hey, let's do a little drill over here. <laughs>
0: Um, do your do your team have KPIs? Do your instructors have KPIs? Um, no, yeah, I asked you this last. Yeah, week,
1: so yeah. it's something that I definitely want to put in at the at the moment. We I was um, on another little chat with you the other day um, mm. that I don't have official KPIs at the moment, um, but in that conversation we kind of highlighted that full classes and wait lists are kind of the un that's, unspoken. That's... <laughs> um, KPIs across most, like uh, I'm yeah. going to say, all Pilates studios, because, mm. like, let's face it, that's what we are all here to do. Um. So, yeah, I think, yeah.
0: So, oh, gee, there was something else, but it's just popped out of my mind. So, you know, I don't know. Are we done, or is there is there anything else that we need to we need to talk about?
1: I think we've covered quite a bit.
0: Mm. I, I guess th- that is, that's it. The, the last thing that popped back in. And it's just a, it's just kind of a footnote really. It's like, well, I think even if like, and I, cause I've, I've been through this myself a couple of times, it's like, don't be, I want to encourage you if you listen to this, don't be afraid to contemplate pivoting radically. Right. Yeah. So if you're like, oh, I've, I've only got a studio and it's only got like room for three reformers, like, well, go move to a different premises yeah you know or what would happen if you you know leased the shop next door as well, or you know what would happen if you went from uh doing semi privates to doing large groups or what would happen if you went from doing six on ones down to four on ones and doubled your prices or yeah. you know so what you know don't feel constrained by what you currently do you know I mean I yeah. guess we kind of touched on this before, but I think like I guess what i'm what I'm thinking about now is like yourself Concept and your your image of like oh this is the sort of business I have and yes. this is the skill set I have. It's like no, you can have whatever business you want. Yeah, yeah.
1: Five years in, you can still pivot.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think um I think for me, one of the biggest things is also to ask for help. I've found over the years I I'm not one to go and ask for help or advice actively. I find I've been lucky enough that it comes to me sometimes. But yeah, my advice would be don't be afraid to ask for help and get people in who know what they're doing and can help work to the same results as you. And an example is that is like like when I did do the changeover, it worked really well because Nathan Ross Reese was also doing his workshops and they were actually so in line with what I was planning to do. So he came in, did a workshop with us. It was, yeah, it was like the catalyst of it all. And I've also had um, multiple of my instructors do his academy. So I I wanted to highlight that too, because I don't want people to think that I do everything by myself either, that Mm. I've Mm. gotten to a point where I've had To be okay with going okay we can draw on other elements to bring in to assist that transition and make it more effortless
0: yeah and nathan's awesome shout out nathan
1: shout out nathan (laughs) um Um, and and
0: if you want to get awesome at teaching a fitness-based results-based reformer like go do nathan's academy yeah um, and it's online and
1: great results great results um, but, yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. And also I wish I had a mentor when I first opened my studio and the reality was there wasn't that many people around. There weren't as many mm-hmm. group reformer studios and indirectly I just knew owners that I guess were semi-mentors. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of why I've kind of gone down that avenue because I do know a lot that I feel like I can give back to helping mm. people on their journey. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, and uh, people can, we'll put a link in the show notes for people to contact you if they're interested in, in time mentoring, but how do you look for, you know, do you have mentors currently? And if so, like, what do you suggest people look for in a mentor? Like what do you look for in a mentor?
1: Um, I have in different parts of life. So if we're going more so on the business side of things, usually I would say someone who has done the thing that you are trying Mm. to do, like Mm. that is the most reliable source of a mentor. And even in other elements of life, someone who has clearly gone through and is on the other side of where you want to get to essentially.
0: And I would add, like I agree with you, but I would add that, uh, in Pilates, there seems to be a kind of a, a taboo or like a social, yeah, social constraint around talking about money. And I think if you're, if you're looking at someone as a business mentor, you absolutely freaking have to talk about money. Like, you know, that you can't mentor someone in business without talking about money. And, um, and so you want to know, that your business mentor not just has a nice studio that looks busy, <laughs> but that has a profitable studio has built a profitable studio that makes money. If, if that's what you want to do. And, and so I think you should absolutely not you, Laura, I mean, talking <laughs> the Pilates stratosphere, but that you should absolutely be comfortable to ask your potential mentor like you know, about their biggest business figures, Yep, you know, um, because if, I mean, if I'm looking for a mentor, I have very specific revenue and profit numbers that I want that person to have achieved before I'll consider being mentored by them.
1: Yeah. That's the results you want. That's, you want someone who's actually achieved it. Yeah.
0: Right. I want you to teach me how to do this thing. Show me that you've done it.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. And the, the funny thing is about like mentors who've already done it is they're not doing it for the money. No. Right. So when, when I'm looking for mentor, I look, you know, amongst other things, I'm looking for people who have done the next stage of business that I am working on now, which is growing a business from like 5 million to 10 million. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, all right. So I want someone who's built a $10 million business with maybe a three or $4 million profit. Yep. So they've got three or four million dollars profit. They don't need my fucking money. No. You know, whatever I could pay them per hour is like totally peanuts. Right. So even if I paid them like, $5,000 $5,000 an hour, which I have paid people in the past for mentoring, that is literally like a tenth of what they could earn by just like writing a yeah. Facebook ad for their own business or whatever, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty obvious that, yeah, the people aren't doing it for the money at this point. It's right. literally to give back the knowledge that they know. And right. similar to but what you said I, too, you get you get something back from it yourself. It's kind of like a reflection back into your own Everything too. That's what I find.
0: Yeah. But I've, I've experienced in my own uh, experience as a mentee that the mentors that I pay a lot of money to, I really do the homework. And, yeah. you know, like if they say, go do, put your prices up, whatever, I'm like, oh, fuck, I just paid you, you $5,000 to tell yeah. me that. So
1: gonna, <laughs> you I'm absolutely do it. do it. Yes. Yes. And also you can't be going and telling somebody else to put their prices up and you not having your prices set yourself Yeah.
0: Right. Physician heal thyself. Exactly. (laughs) Well, this has been a grand conversation. It's
1: been awesome. Thank you, Raf. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Look forward to the next one.
1: Me too. Thank you.
0: After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily. I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert